Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, sports fans everywhere, welcome to the Edge of Your Seat podcast. This is episode four. I didn't know if we'd be around this long, even though it's only four episodes. What about you, co-host Tony Miles? Did you think we'd still be around? I thought we'd be on episode 100 by now. Uh, it seems like we're going to get there sooner than normal. And people will be excited about that. Definitely. Because, as always, we got an action-packed show. So on this episode, we are going to start with a... Oh, it's a disheartening subject, but the Chicago Bears. But after that, after we have our breakdown of the game with the Los Angeles Chargers, we have a great interview with a Mendota boy just like us. Jose Medina has been the head coach of the LaSalle Peru football team for five years, been with the program since 2002, and dropped in and gave us a great interview talking about the playoff game they got this week coming up. Yeah, great interview, great story. Uh, I wish the best of luck to... Uh, Coach Medina and the entire LP uh, football team. I think that they are going to be on kind of a short stick. Uh, but I think you know what? When you when you play the underdog, you never know what can happen. So I wish them the best of luck this Saturday. Yeah, we'll break down LP with Jose. We did that in the interview. Go straight to the Bears. Tom, what were your thoughts on the 17-6 loss to the Chargers on Sunday? Sure, it's heartbreaking. Uh, we're 3-4, and four and I get it. I get it's heartbreaking to everybody. Everybody wants to get out the pitchforks. I'm kind of on the same page, I guess. Uh, I have uh, given my whole heart to Mitch Trubisky. I am the one that lost my mind when they drafted him. Uh, I still would not give up on him. I have given uh, the stats, uh, if you go through... You know, with Drew Brees, we talked about that. I do believe that there's more to come for the Chicago Bears. I don't believe this is a point where we all need to freak out. You know, Brandon, the one thing that really bothered me about that game is in the first half, you, you have the crowd booing on a team that, I mean, we're at the point at that point we're three and three. And I understand these guys are professional athletes, and they have to be at a point where, I guess, everybody believes mentally they can't do no wrong. You know, but to boo in the, in the first half, and you, I don't believe you can blame that game on Mitchell Trubisky. I don't. In the first half, that you mentioned, five trips to the red zone, no touchdowns. Eddie Panero, who I will get on, five trips to the end zone, red zone, end zone, whatever, red zone. We're not in the end zone yet. Obviously, they didn't get in the end zone. <laughs> five trips to the red zone, no touchdowns. What was going on there, Tom? You know, there there's a lot of there's a lot of play calling that you can put blame on that. You can put a lot of blame on the offense. You can put a lot of blame on Mitchell Trubisky. There's going to be a group of people you can't put blame on Brandon, and then there's going to be one guy you can't put blame on in that game, and that is the one guy is David Montgomery. I think he showed up. I think he showed up more than anybody expected him to show up. You went into a game against the Los Angeles Chargers that. Everybody knew you were going to run the ball 25 times that game. And they pretty much could almost guess when you were going to run that ball. The runs that he had was amazing. And what the offensive line, they showed up. The offensive line showed up, and I think there was play calls down in the red zone that kind of killed us. And, uh, you know, there's there's going to be times where people sit and, and talk, and there's this is, a, this is, this is at- atrocious. For the Chicago Bears, this this is not supposed to happen. This is, you're not supposed to be three and four right now, but we'll just have to see what happens. I'm glad you mentioned Montgomery. I had him on my little note sheet I got right here. <laughs> 135 yards, his best of his his rookie campaign here. 55 yard run that he went up the middle, 
cut to the right and was gone. He's, they showed the replay. He's looking up in the, the big screen, seeing if anybody's coming behind him. Like, he's already a pro. He already knows what he's doing out there. I want to touch on this for a second. And the thing that I run into with that David Montgomery is I read a lot on social media from, from just regular fans like ourselves. Uh, I have watched different broadcasts. And everybody said the Bears are lacking a running back that can get between the tackles with breakout speed. David Montgomery can't win. He literally breaks off a 55-yard run and is getting bashed for not breaking away the run because he's not fast enough to run down a cornerback. I mean, to me, that's I understand. And Chicago is a proud, proud sports town. I get that. But it, it's almost like it's gotten to the point where this is kind of crazy. I think Chicago, we're both huge Chicago fans. I will not root for a team that's not from Chicago. Unless I have a personal tie, I know somebody that's on a team or something like that. Otherwise, it's all Chicago. I think sometimes we do take that pride to a whole nother level, and we throw our own athletes and coaches and stuff like that under the bus without giving them a chance. Like you said, 55-yard run, he showed strength, he showed speed, he showed everything in that one run let alone the other, you know, get 135 yards. Yeah, and let's let's break down the three major sports, and no, no disrespect to hockey, okay? Let's break down the three major sports. It has been 33 years since we have won an NFL championship. We did go to the Super Bowl in 2005-2006. Uh, it was a big drought uh, for our Chicago Cubs prior to 2016. And the Chicago Bulls, other than a couple years since 1998, have literally done nothing. You know? And I think it's to a point where it's almost like everybody's so fed up. And I'm one of those I'm one of those guys. I'm I'm more realistic to the fact of some things take time. I think we're in a day and age where it's what can you do for me now than rather than let's see what happens in the future. Baker Mayfield was the number one pick a year ago. Where's the hate on him, you know? You're hearing ESPN talk all about Mitch Trubisky and the Chicago, and I understand that everybody's going to sit here and say, well, the expectations for the Browns were not what the expectations were for the Bears coming into the season. That's that's ridiculous. It, they were. I mean, you go out and you get an OBJ and everything like that. So I just I don't believe the uh, criticism is fair, and maybe I'm wrong. And, you know, maybe you disagree with me, Brandon. Maybe, maybe you do, but... I do think there's a lot to go into this, and I, I believe that the walls are closing in. I mean, you have people calling for Matt Nagy's job. That's crazy. Matt Nagy should keep his job. I think he should change his coaching style a little bit because, obviously, it's not winning you games right now, so you have to make adjustments. Whether you're a already Super Bowl-winning coach or you went 1-15 in 15 the year before, if you're not winning games now, you make changes. That's that's obvious. Sure, yeah, and I'm sure w- what you may be insinuating is a change that may be coming is the play calling coming from Matt Nagy. That's exactly what I'm talking about in the offense. Okay. This game against the Chargers, I will give him credit, they ran. But we knew they were going to run because they haven't the rest of the season. But knowing that, you still match maybe a play action. Maybe you change which downs you pass and which downs you run. A little changes like that can... Open your playbook so wide. Chime in when you want to, and if you interrupt me, I'm fine with that. I was going to save this for another podcast, but we're into this so much, and I, I really do want to touch on it. We actually had a uh, we have a fine organization in our in our hometown called the Quarter, Mendota Quarterback Club. Okay, they have done a lot of donations. They've done a lot of things for our uh, our local high school football team, and uh, every year they try to get a prior Bears player. Okay, 
And you and I have talked about this off the air, where uh, I told you it was pretty cool because I met Marcus Robinson, okay? And I was having a talk with Marcus Robinson, and it would have been the summer of 2018 because he didn't come this year. So this would have been the summer of 2018 going into the 2018 season. And one thing Marcus Robinson told me at the time, which everybody knows that I was huge on Trubisky, is he told me, he said, Trubisky, the only way he's actually going to succeed, he goes, I've been to the practices, I've, I've talked to Peanut Tillman, I, you know, I've talked to other people that have been there, we kind of just sit there and, and BS with each other. He said, the only way this is going to work is if the line shifts and makes passing lanes for Mitch Trubisky. And I, inter I intervened on him and I said, kind of like what the Saints do for Drew Brees. He goes, exactly. And that's when my Drew Brees comparison, that's when I started looking up stats. I never heard this from anybody else. I have just now started hearing from 670 The Score probably about three months ago because all this stuff is going on. But the, I started hearing about like the stats. But I knew these stats beforehand with the whole Drew Brees, and it makes total sense. Which brings me to my point of now. They're not moving the line. You know, you said the rollout. That's what got me going on this. They're not rolling Trubisky out. Trubisky in North Carolina was a rollout quarterback throwing on the run. I remember watching him on a, on a game in North Carolina. didn't get a lot of games, but I remember watching a national tele televised game where Trubisky uh, rolled out to the right and on the run threw a pass, not across his body, but threw a pass where only the receiver could get it on a dime. And I was like, whoa. You know, and so I started, I went, obviously, like anybody else, go to YouTube and watch some highlights videos of them. But the stuff that they did, and I understand he was out of the shotgun a lot in North Carolina, but the stuff that North Carolina did to get him out in that open space to do that, the Bears ain't doing that. And now because of that play calling, and I agree with you, I kind of agree with you about this, you can see the indecisiveness when Trubisky does get the ball in the back and he's looking for a, a running lane or something like that, his... I guess how he's being coached or what the game plan is or whatever, he's stopping and taking that second to decide if he wants to run or throw or not, and then the defense is collapsing. But he wasn't in the fourth quarter, and that's when they made that run because he wasn't being indecisive. He got the ball, saw that he had the wide open field to go in front of him, and ran for five yards. Then he ran for ten, and he kept going because he wasn't being indecisive and thinking he was just playing the game. And you could see it on his face when they were showing the huddles. They're looking at him, and he's his eyes are big, and he's just ready to go. That's the difference. It's it's a fact of, I believe, Nagy is trying to do things with Trubisky that is not instinctive. And what I mean by that is he's trying to coach him to be, hey, instead of doing this, do this. Instead of just saying, hey, what got you here, be instinctive. Do what you have to do. Trubisky was instinctive on that last drive to get him into field goal range, which ended up they ended up losing the game. But he was instinctive. It was almost to the point of, I'm not going to listen to anybody else. I'm going to do what I have to do instinctive to get us into the point to make this. Right now, it's all in his head. And I don't know how at this point with the, the social media, with your media outlets, with your coach, I mean, you can tell Nagy. Nagy's always said, no, the, the negative, negativity is never going to bring it out to the media. Well, that happened this week because you could tell in his in I mean he literally looks at the people and says there was no doubt in my mind about me and that ball do you understand me like I'm, you're not talking to your kids here buddy you know what I mean so you could see the the frustration now you let that out now that's something that you preach to your team for the entire time that you've been the coach of the Chicago Bears you just broke that you know and Roquan Smith I'm telling you right now will not finish the year Brandon and I don't know how much you've read into this or not, Roquan Smith has got some mentally things going on bad with him that nobody has known about. I don't see him making it through Week 10. 
I have read into it. I'm not going to get into his personal life and stuff like that. But when you have something going on, I mean, in any line of work that you're doing, like I work at a bank during the day. If I have something going on at home or something with a family member, unfortunately, my sister just lost her grandmother. We're not, I'm not related to that lady, but I felt bad for my sister. So I'm at work trying to get paperwork done and set up new banking accounts and stuff like that. And I'm thinking about my sister and how she's going to handle it. Is she going to Alabama? Because that's where grandma's from. How are her children dealing with this? Because they know the grandma as well. So, and that's not even me. So if there's things going on in your personal life and you're trying to deal with that while being on a field, while doing other stuff, when you have to know where you're at at all times on a football field, you need to know the play. You need to know where you're supposed to go. You need to have that film that you watched about this quarterback or that running back in your head at all times. If you're somewhere else, it's going to show. Well, and life's life. So your mind's clouded, and I don't care what anybody says. You can't flip that switch off when you go onto a field. I mean, you said you mentioned you work at a bank. I, I work at a car dealership. I'll tell you what, I'm probably not going to uh, do much business if I have personal things going on at home. So it's it's something that I would just have to say that I don't believe he's going to make it through Week 10. And uh, I have read really far into this, and I'm a body language person. Uh, I, I'm... The David Ross thing was a whole body language thing for me. That was not outlets of like you know sources. We don't have many sources other than our local sources that we have um, for our local local talk. But and we know a lot more than them at sometimes. Yeah, but I mean, so I you know I don't have the the likes of the Chicago sources and you know your your all your Adam Schefters and stuff like that. I did that off of body language, and I can tell Roquan Smith had a interview today. Uh, on the Chicago Bears uh, Facebook page that I watched, and I could tell that he was somewhere else, and it and it really afraid it really scares me. It's either going to be Roquan Smith shuts himself down, or the Chicago Bears are going to shut him down before Week Ten. Definitely, and that was just a little dig to my guys, Kevin Klum at the News Tribune, Jeremy Aiken with WLPO Radio, just seeing if you guys are listening because they'll text me if they heard that. <laughs> I don't know any more than anybody. We're all good friends and co-workers and all that other stuff. I just want to see if they're listening. You know how that goes. But you did mention missing that field goal at the end of the game after Trubisky gets the ball down there. Eddie Pinero, I don't want to say this because I'm not trying to jinx anybody, and I always feel like if I say something negative about my team, then something will go wrong. But as soon as he shanked that field goal, I'm thinking, we have Cody (sighs) Parkey all over again. I know his name. I was just taking that long breath of my, uh, I don't, not resentment, I don't resent anybody, but man, uh, he, but at the same time, we all, Chicago Bears fans, we're ready to see Cody Parkey gone, we hated him when he missed that field goal against Philadelphia Eagles in the wild card game, but the same thing, Cody Parkey in that wild card game pretty much got the Bears to that level to try to win the game because he kicked field goals during the game, Eddie Pinero scored the Bears' first nine points against the Chargers, but then in the clutch. Also, Cody Parkey couldn't make the clutch field goal. And now Eddie Pinero is showing, hey, maybe in clutch situations, he's not the guy to go to. 43-yard field goal, shanks it. Wide left, they lose the game. What do you think's bigger, that field goal against the San Diego, uh, I apologize, the Los Angeles Chargers, I'm not the only one that makes that mistake, uh, or that field goal in uh, week two when he hit that? Which one do you think was the more pressure kick for him? I'm going to go with now against the Chargers because now we're further into the the season and you're starting to get the layout of the land. Who's going to be in the playoff picture? Who's not? Especially in the NFC North. You have all teams are competitive or almost at the same level. Packers, 
unfortunately, that's top. Sorry, I'm not a Packers fan. <laughs> but you got the Lions right there. They're a couple wins away from, you know, maybe doing something awesome. Then you got the Bears and Vikings still kind of in the middle of the pack trying to figure out what's going on. So this is when you have to step up. So I'm thinking like that's pretty a little little more difficult than a week two, hey, I got a long kick, let's try to make it. We've done good for the first uh, couple episodes. I am going to have to wholeheartedly disagree with you here. Uh, week two, when he actually had to kick that field goal placement of Cody Parkey, who missed a field goal against the Eagles in a wild card game to actually take your season out. The entire offseason was completely talked about the field goal kicker, which is probably why we're in the reason we're in at three and four. Okay? But that is your first meaningful kick in a Chicago Bears uniform, and you drilled it. And there's a reason why I'm telling you this, because I believe, I truly believe Eddie Pinero is going to be a good kicker in the NFL. I think he has a longevity. I think his leash is short in Chicago, be given the situation of last year. But I do believe that Eddie Pinheiro is going to be that guy. He's not going to be like a Robbie Gold where you're like, oh, I wish I would have Robbie Gold back, you know, or I wish I had Eddie Pinheiro back. But I do think he has a 10 to 12 career, 12 year career. I think Eddie Pinheiro is going to be fine. Eddie Pinheiro did miss a field goal in that game before that big field goal. Hit it off the uprights in perfect <laughs> Cody Parkey fashion. Well, he didn't hit the double dunk, so we're okay there. But, yeah. but I don't. I say I don't think we're disagreeing. I think we're just looking at it from different perspectives. You're talking about him in his moment, that clutch factor. I'm talking about clutch factors in team. So I understand personally, like, okay, this is your first big kick. You're coming off of Cody Parkey. I totally understand where you're coming from. But later on in the season, to me, is more important when you're in that bubble where the Bears are rather than week two. Yeah, and I feel what you're saying. You're kind of saying, okay, well, that week two kick was almost like I got I to gotta nail this to win over the fans. But in this uh, week eight game, it was like I got to nail this to win over my team to actually have a chance to make the playoffs. So I do see the two different differences there. I, do you agree with me that you think he will be okay, or do you think that they need to look at someone else? I am trying to be as optimistic as possible. And I'm in a pretty – I try to be an optimistic kind of guy. I, I, I can't say I do. I can't say that I think he's going to be a kicker that we keep around. I don't – he's not a Robbie Gould. He's not a Adam Vinatieri, who I have to mention, because right after he shanks that kick, I turn the channel to the Indianapolis-Denver game, and who is knocking down a 51-yard field goal to win the game? Adam Vinatieri. He drilled it. They win 15-13, almost right in the middle. 51 yards in the middle, almost in the middle of the net, too. So he wasn't, like, right over the crossbar. Why can't we have a kicker like that? That's a guy That's a guy that's been doing it for a long time. That's a guy that has a short-term memory. He's won Super Bowls with that right leg. Uh, that is, a, to me, a totally different situation. But he's not the only one. There's other kickers in the league like that. But we have never had a kicker like that. Right. Ever. Ever. We have had worse kickers and we've had worse quarterbacks, which sounds crazy if you're a Chicago Bears fan. Well, you want to talk about uh, okay, you want to talk about an organization that is a little bit more patient or maybe a little less uh, willing to actually go ahead and get rid of somebody compared to an organization that is absolutely all they strive on is excellence. The New England Patriots just cut their kicker. Today. And that kicker's having a better season than Eddie Pinheiro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, I mean, that gives you a little bit, too. And I, I'm, a, I'm a heartfelt guy. I, I, I truly believe in some of the people we have. I, there's been a lot of times I've been wrong 
and I will be the first one to admit that I was I was wrong about Rex Grossman. You know, I mean, I was huge on Anthony Davis. I don't remember if you know, don't know if you remember the A Train. Uh, his rookie year, he had a really good year. Um, I was young, but I liked Cade McNown. That didn't work out. It's always comes back to the quarterback position in Chicago, and that is where we're at right now. The only quarterback that came to the Chicago Bears that I was excited about was Jay Cutler, and we all know how that happened. We talked about that. Yeah, we talked about that in a previous episode. That is the only one. Any of the other ones, I just kind of not really rolled my eyes, kind of like crossed my fingers and like, hey, hopefully they have a good season. Hopefully they can string like five wins together or something. But it uh, really just hasn't panned out for us. We can't talk Bears too much. I mean, <laughs> we plan this to be five or ten minutes, for goodness sake. But one question to you, though. One question. And I will – I. This might stem into another five or ten minute conversation. Do they trade for Teddy? Oh, Terry. Do they trade for Terry? <laughs> he is talking about Teddy Bridgewater, who I always call Terry. I don't think so. I think the investment that they put into Trubisky, I think they're going to stick with them. I mean, we've heard the talks about Cam Newton or Tom Brady or like all these other things. I think they're all rumors. If one of them were landed, you know, I'd kind of be excited. But Cam Newton is, I mean, he's beat up. He's hurt every year missing games, so I don't know if I'd be that excited about him coming now. Five years ago, I was like, oh, yeah, bring Cam Newton. Tom Brady's 42, 40, 42 or 43? 42. 42 years yeah. old. Oh, the best quarterback ever, but you're getting to that age where you're like, okay, and we've put the system quarterback Tom Brady on a on a back burner. We're putting that on a back burner because yeah. I was just about to get into that and I think you realized what I was about to get into. I, I saw your face. <laughs> I saw the I saw the gerbils and yeah. the hamsters and everything yeah, rolling. I was ready to get into that. I saw that rolling. S dub will bring that back. <laughs> sure. But we see that happen and I just I can't I'm just looking at all that as rumors because you don't trade up like that to get your biscuit and put the money into them and put the time and effort and stuff like that and just drop them. I know it happens. We've seen it before with other quarterbacks, but I just think that as long as Nagy's there, I think Trubisky will be too. I do, and I don't believe that it's time to give up on Mitch by any means or any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I do. Here's an interesting thing that I think people don't understand. As people say right now, you would not get anything trade capital for Mitch Trubisky. I believe that is completely false. And here's why. He has the intangibles to actually be what a what a 21st century quarterback really is. I mean, uh, he has the quickness. Uh, you know, the one thing that anybody's going to look at is, is like the accuracy. Like, oh, well, we have troubles with his accuracy. But uh, don't tell me that there's not an owner on one of those 31 other teams that would sit there and say, I can fix that if I can get it for the right price. It's just, it's scary to me. My biggest fear as a Bears fan in the next couple years is something happens where they do deal Trubisky for a quarterback that maybe towards, like like a Teddy Bridgewater, you know, or somebody like that. Definitely don't want Cam Newton. You nailed every point that I had on Cam Newton. Injuries, there's no way I could stick with that or deal with that. Uh, but that is my biggest fear, that Trubisky goes somewhere else and just completely lights it up. He's almost like that... Uh, He's almost like that girlfriend you don't want, right? You know, he's like, you don't want anybody else to have her, but you don't want her either. But it's, that's my biggest fear, Brandon. I understand. Like Tony mentioned before, we were going to do like 10, 15 <laughs> minutes bears, but that's our team. You know, we get excited. We like to talk about it. So, you know, 25 minutes about the bears never hurt anybody. 
But with that said, we are going to sign off with the Bears, kick it over to our interview with Jose Medina, LaSalle Peru football coach, who is going to take the Cavaliers to the playoffs on Saturday, 3 p.m. against Rochester. Rochester is the two seed. LP is the 15 seed. First playoff game since 2009, so congrats to them. Congratulations, uh, Coach Medina. Congratulations to the entire LP football team. Best of luck to you guys on Saturday, and I really do hope you guys enjoy this interview. Definitely. We'll kick it to Jose. He will be back shortly because we have a lot of awesome interviews scheduled for this week. Already got a couple in the books. This is going to be an awesome week for us. Hope you enjoy. Jim out, baby. Peace. All right. This is a huge deal for me and for Tony. Mendota guy. Went to school a little bit before us, but we'd heard the stories about how he played football and he was a, a monster on the field. Then I got into journalism and he was coaching. So I got to, to get to know him with the LaSalle Peru football team, the Cavaliers. And in his fifth season as head coach, Jose Medina, you're finally in the playoffs. Yeah, the, the, uh, you know, the LPs are excited. I'm excited. I think the community is excited. The school's excited. So, yeah, it's uh it's been a long time coming. It's been about ten years since uh, LP has made it to the playoffs, and you know, like I said, we're we're excited to go, and uh, kids are kids are ready to go. Just kind of elaborate on that. I mean, ten years, and so you were assistant coach for a few of those years since the last time you guys were the playoffs. Then you take over, kind of have to build a system, and now you're finally back. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing when I took over was trying to build some consistency. Um, you know. As you said, we've kind of gone through, you know, we started out with, uh, you know, uh, a coach and then went to a coach that stayed there for one year. And then all of a sudden, you know, I, I just threw my threw my name in the circle and, you know, I was uh, fortunate to, um, you know, have the, the administration support. Uh, and, you know, once again, I just wanted to bring some consistency to the, uh, to the football program and, and just kind of, you know, just start from scratch and, and build it back up and on, you know, kind of the things that I've, I've learned through playing football and, uh, which is, you know, about commitment and uh, accountability, you know. And that's kind of what I, I, I've kind of instilled to in our players. Definitely. Now, the game that you guys have Saturday at 3 p.m., you guys are the 15th seed with a 5-4 and four record against Rochester, number two with an 8-1 and one record. Uh, on paper, you, you know, 15 and a two seed, but the Cavaliers have always had a lot of heart. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. You know what, um, th th that's a good football program. You know, they've got a lot of uh, football history. Um, I believe they, you know, they, they were in the state finals for seven straight years or won the state finals for seven straight years. And, you know, they, they their offense is, is, is pretty potent. They, um, you know, they, they throw the ball, they spread the ball and, and, uh, you know, defensively, they they're pretty uh, stout as well. But um, you know, as you said, we're 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 excited. I think the kids are are, are pumped and excited to really get after it and, and see what they can do against this team. Definitely. Now, throughout the season, you guys start with a five and one record. Then the last three weeks, I mean, you guys tough competition. Playing those three weeks with you know extremely tough competition, going into a playoff game. How did that help or hurt you guys? Offensively, you know what we 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 consistently moved the ball. You know we we were doing some good things offensively. It's just we we just couldn't find ways to finish, and 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 that's kind of been our keys this week is just finding ways to finish, finding ways to put points on the board. Um, you know, and we got a pretty good uh, we got a pretty good plan going. Um, you know, we just uh, the biggest thing is uh, eliminate negative plays and uh, eliminate turnovers. Uh, you know, giving up the ball a couple times um, in, in those last three weeks. Uh, really hurt us, uh, really stopped them, um, kind of like that momentum that we had 
going into the, you know, as we're trying to score. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think those are the big keys right there is just uh, eliminate negative plays and, and take care of the football is is going to help us. And, and, of course, you know, putting points on the board as well. Hey, Jose, it's uh, Tony here. Uh, you know, first of all, good luck on the game this weekend, and, and I, I really Thank wish you. you guys the best of luck. I'm going to switch you. the course a little bit here. Uh, now, okay. we all know you're from Mendota. Is, is it a little different uh, being a coach of a school that was your, I mean, in those days was a rival, like when you played, you know, like going 15 miles south, is, is that a little different for you or is that kind of just worn off? Well, I mean, LP, uh, you know, when I was playing back in the day, we didn't, we never really played LP. The only time we ever, we ever played LP was in, uh, when, was it like in basketball or baseball or something like that. But football, they were, they were in a bigger class than we were and, in the early '80s, I believe they started. They did play because uh, I remember some of the some of the stories that our uh, previous players had talked about. Um, but yeah, LP. Uh, you know, it, it's it, it's the good thing is, is even the, growing up there, you know, you you hear about LP, you hear about their 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 history, their traditions, and things like that. You know, um, but yeah, I mean, growing up, like I said, we we, we really never really played LP back then. So. Okay, I guess I was. I, I thought back then they actually did that, so I apologize about that. Um, I, I do have a okay. question, though. You know, when uh, yes, in '95, uh, our local News Tribune paper marked you as the Defensive Player of the Year. Congratulations on that. I know it seems like probably a while ago for you. Um, but when you that's actually a long, st- long time ago, <laughs> when you step onto Howard Fellow Stadium, do you ever have memories of like your playing days and like you know, kind of just wish maybe you were a player in that situation? Uh, you know what? It's uh, it's it's always great to reminisce. You know, it's always great to reminisce and, and just you know put yourself out there. But right now, I mean, it, it's all about those kids. I always I put more emphasis on on those uh, on those young men that that you know put their time and effort in the summer, in the off season, and you know I really focus on those guys now. But um, actually, I had an opportunity to play back in uh, I think three years ago. I, I I got to actually put play on the new field. And Mendota for that alumni game, so I did get to put the, the helmet on again for one more time. But uh, trust me, I'm I'm uh, I'm way past those years anymore. I, I was there. I was there for that. <laughs> I did not know that you were able to do that. Um, I actually, yeah. uh, with my job, I actually work side by side, basically with Nick Oregon. So I, I know that that all happened. But oh, okay, super, yeah, definitely s- super cool. Um, you speaking of the kids, and I think that's a really good answer you gave. With being a coach, I mean that is that's an excellent thing to think of. Is you know that's that's who it's all about. Um, how has your skills as a player actually helped you develop uh, the players that you're actually coaching today? You know what, I, just playing football uh, in general, um, just learning about how how you have to compete uh, on a daily basis. You know, going to you know when I was at Mendota, I knew I was going to play. I, I knew I was going to start and, and those things like that. But when I, you went to IVC and then I went to Western, it was like, hey, you need to compete day in, day out because the next guy behind you is just as hungry as you are. So, you know, that's kind of what I try and instill the kids is that you got to go, you got to go every single time, every single play has got to be 100%, whether it's in practice or, or, or even in a game. You know, definitely, I think that's the biggest thing I want to, I, that I want, I emphasize with the kids. And of course, the, the commitment and the accountability, holding those kids accountable for, for what they do. Uh, on and off the football field. Jose, I got one question uh, that it's just kind of dawned upon me. Is there a strong point? Have you have you watched tape on Rochester yet? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. We, we, yeah. For the last, I think we got about uh, two games on them. Is there a strong point you actually have on your football team where, you know, whether it's the trenches or if it's a defensive back or something where you could actually say, hey, you know, I could get these guys? 
our defense, our defense has been playing pretty solid all you know throughout the conference. Even even these last three weeks, you know, other than probably Sycamore, um, I think you know we played Morris tough. Uh, you know, we ended up losing thirteen to zero. Uh, then uh, you know we ended up uh, against Caneland. Uh, we it was three to zero towards the middle of the third quarter, and pretty a pretty potent offense as well that that likes to put points up. And once again, our defense you know held them out, and then just kind of boiled down to you know we didn't put points on the board when we needed to. And uh, but yeah, I think I think as a stronghold, I think our defense is going to be pretty solid. Um, you know, offensively, as I said, we got the big boys up front, and you know I think they if we can get off the ball and just see their you know, move the ball down the field. I mean, that's that's going to be that's some that's some big beef that we have there, and, and that'll wear and tear on them a little bit as well. Yeah, just talk about some of your guys on the line and uh, just their names and kind of their size level. Because when I looked at your line, I'm like, oh man, these guys are pretty big. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you you're talking about uh, Logan Turgeletti, probably one of our one of our better linemen, uh, Carson Marwicky. It's his uh, first year as as, as the varsity starter. Uh, Eric Lane, uh, once again, another uh, uh, first-year starter there for us. Uh, he's a junior. And then you've got Adam Colfoyd, who has been – he's been a, a three-year starter for us. Uh, you know, he, he's just – he's been a solid player for us. It's just – you know, I know he's been battling through some injuries. Um, but, you know, once again, a solid player for us. And then you've got uh, um, uh, one of probably the smallest guy on our offensive line is uh, Michael M- Michael Hammond, and uh, you know he, he's just a he's just a scrapper. He likes to get after it and, and uh, you know <laughs> bring his flavor to to the game as well. The small guys are the mean guys, right? <laughs> of course, you, of course. Hey, you got Adam. You got Adam Colfoy, uh running in there, doing a lot of crazy stuff. You know, lifting lifting like more than anybody else. I hope. <laughs> yeah, he's he, like I said, he's a tough kid and he's he's a strong kid. It's just. Uh, He's the one that's been battling through some injuries, but he's he's a tough kid, and uh, you know I can't I can't uh, say anything bad about that guy. He's well, you can't say nothing been, uh, bad. He's, he's my nephew. <laughs> I, well, I know that I know that, but um, he's uh, he's battled through through a lot of things, and um, you know I I'm excited to see how how he competes against uh, against a pretty good uh, offenses or defense this week. If I remember right, your quarterback is it Tyler Hartman? That's correct. How has he been holding up throughout the season and? And being able to, you know, lead the the Cavalier offense the way you want him to. Yeah, I mean, he he's definitely a leader uh, on our offense. Um, he he makes a lot of uh, good good changes. He he actually uh, can audible has has the opportunity if he sees something that he doesn't uh, doesn't think he likes. He he's he's smart enough to audible onto a different play. Um, but yeah, he's been he's been pretty solid all all year round. You know, he took a, a I believe a lick in uh, in Morris and. Had to sit out the Sycamore game, but you know definitely came back against uh, Caneland and had some good plays. Um, uh, but yeah, he's definitely one of our leaders on, on that on, on that offense. In the past, you know, when you and I have talked, uh, we've talked, you know, at least two or three times a year. I've done previews with you and stuff like that. Um, you're always talking about your guys buying into the system with your run game, the way it's yeah. been, and the way your defense has been. Just talk about this group and how they have bought into your system. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Defensively, you know, we, we started out, we wanted to be fast and, uh, wanted to just bring pressure. And, you know, I think we've done a pretty good job of doing that this year. Coach Carney's helped out with, uh, you know, getting those guys prepared and, uh, and doing, and doing what, what we've asked them to do year, uh, week, week in, week out. So, uh, offensively, you know, we, we've continued. I think this is our fourth year with, with the, with the triple option and, uh, you know, for year one was was a little rough. Year two has gotten a little better. Year three, uh, of course, we've taken some strides. And you know, I think year four, 
when, when you got the right guys in place, uh, can really do some good things. And, you know, uh, other than the last three weeks, but uh, the offense can put some points on the board when 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 uh, when things are working the right way. Well, Jose, you know, I, I'm going to go back a second here. And when you were talking, you kind of said you kind of threw your name in the hat and, and you, you, you know, you drew – uh, the right card, obviously, mm-hmm. I guess that's the way you'd put it, is it seems I think you're on the right track, and I think you guys are doing great things over there, but it seems kind of crazy that you guys haven't made the playoffs since 2009. I mean, with, with that kind of a school school size, is is there a reason, is it like, a, is it a participation thing, or is it just kind of like going through the process of, you know, a couple of years and getting up to getting up to speed is there is there a reason why that oh, in 10 years we you know that you haven't made the playoffs yeah i mean i think i think a lot of the i think yeah i, I think you're right it's 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 a bit a little bit of both um you know but uh i think i I've, I've been noticing the last you know when when i first took over it was we only had a certain amount of, of seniors you know and you know this year is probably the biggest senior class i've had in a while in that 17 seniors so and which all of them kind of help out uh, in on the offense and defensive side. So, uh, yeah, I do. I, I do think it's it's a little bit of uh, at the beginning of the year. You know, we were playing different competition. We were playing tougher competition, and you know, it, it's it's hard for kids to you know motivate themselves to to say, hey, you know, why am I going to go out there and get my just get my tail knocked down and for nine weeks, and then all of a sudden, you know, then you're done. So, but yeah, I think, uh, but. The first couple of years were were a little rough. We had we had a good year where we went five or four. Had an opportunity to make the playoffs. Um, I think we had at least two opportunities to make the playoffs in the last five years. So, but we just ended up uh, you know one game short of, of five and four. So, but yeah, I, I think I think when you talk about you know competition and you know getting the kids to buy in, that's the biggest thing. And, and I think we've done a pretty good job of of doing that. And and I think the youth program has done a very good job as as far as getting kids motivated to play football that was kind of my next question is uh first of all i know what you were trying to say when you're saying get tail knocked off so i <laughs> <laughs> you think in a situation like this where you actually go to the playoffs do you have you know maybe you have uh seniors or juniors you know talking to these other kids that maybe you wish would go out i mean i know that we had that issue in mendota as well but you know you, yeah. you think you have more kids maybe because they see the success maybe coming out in the in the coming years do you, do you see that possibly I- being a thing I definitely do. I think I think it's it'll be a positive. Um, you know, I, I think I think we all know this. You know, winning brings uh, you know breeds success. So, you know, if, if we can consistently do this uh, on a week on a year on a yearly basis, then I definitely think that it would definitely motivate kids to come back out and and be a part of uh, of something and something great. And you know, I think that's just a, a, one of those stepping stones that we need to get to. And it starts, I guess, this week. You know, I think it also started. I mean, this year, you guys, was your first year in the Interstate 8 Conference. The few years before that, you've been in Northern Illinois Big 12, and you've had to play juggernauts week after week, pretty much. Interstate 8, I felt was, I'm not going to say easier, or they're still good teams. Every team that you played still gave you guys a game. Uh, Do you think the change in in conference helped with the competition level? You know, I I think it does. Um, And you're right. Uh, the uh, previous conference, yeah, you were playing some some good competition on on a weekly basis, and and I think you know that that kind of got us to where we're where we're at, especially in this new conference. And you're right, it, it, the teams that we play are probably not as as good as those other ones, but still, they 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 came out. They and you know we you still have to go out there and play the game, and you know unfortunately, uh, you know 
to to our to our benefit, we ended up you know we were five and one for the first for the first six weeks, and then you know of course we, we you know we struggled with the the last three games. But yeah, I I think uh, I think it would it definitely does help bring some hopeful hopefulness to to the future. You know, Geneseo and LaSalle Peru had a long storied rivalry, but it's got to be good to know that you don't have to meet a team like that every week. It, it is, it is. But I mean, at the same time, you still want to compete against good teams. And, you know, I, I never, I never really, I always uh, took that challenge on uh, on a yearly basis. But, you know, at, under my tenure, we, we never got the opportunity to beat uh, Geneseo. So, you know, but. Hats off to them because they they played a, a lot better than, than we did that on that day on those days. Also, you know, we're talking about conference and things. If it still holds true, uh, we might go to district football. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I believe it, it'll be after, it'll have to be after like two thousand one or, or twenty 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 one. I believe that's when the, it'll actually go in, into effect. I think uh, they'll. Ha- I think we'll still have one more year of this conference. But if they do go to the districts, then, you know, it'll totally change in 2021, I believe. Do you think uh, district, I mean, we still got to see how everything's mapped out and who you would play and stuff like that as they try to match all of your opponents into your, you know, classes. And you guys are, you fall right. in class 5A for the playoffs. But do you see district yeah. district or conferences kind of being better for competition levels? You know, I, I, think it, I think it will. I think it will. It's just... <laughs> Geographically, I think that's the kind of thing that I think the IHSA will have to kind of figure out. You know, you're 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 talking about possibly playing on a Friday night or even maybe on a Saturday and traveling, you know, two two and a half, maybe two hours at most uh, to a different place. So, you know, I think that's the biggest thing right now is just trying to figure out that. But if districts doesn't go through, then I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty uh, set with this conference. I I enjoy the conference. I think they're you know there's still some good competition. Uh, within the conference, um, but yeah, definitely, I think the, the districts would definitely change a lot of different things and uh, bring in a, bring in a, a lot of different challenges as well. <laughs> Jose, I got a question. And do you believe that uh, that you actually do you have a game plan that when you go into this game on Saturday, I, I can't, I kind of can't get over it. You know, I don't really get to watch really a lot of playoff high school football, and I really wish I did. But do you have a game plan that you think might work against this Rochester team? You know what. We're we're gonna prepare these kids and you know as as best as we can and and have them go through our game plan that that we plan on, which is you know we're 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 gonna continue to do what we've been doing defensively and that's bring pressure and and you know make make the uh, make the opponent a little bit uncomfortable or whatever. But uh, offensively, it's just you know as I kind of stated earlier, just taking care of the football, no negative plays, and putting points on the board. Yeah. Uh, it's that's the name of the game. You know what it is. Yeah, and you got to you got to kind of you know you you got they got to beat you. You can't you know you can't beat yourself. I totally get that. Exactly. Obviously, you know it's a it's a fifteen seed and a two seed. You, do you play that little underdog role? Do you go in there and say, hey, you know what? Like, get up, you know, get up and and show these guys there's a reason why we're here. <laughs> I mean that that's kind of what we've been preaching. You know, it's not so much the underdog. It's just about hey, you got to go out there and just play this game. And just go play like we like we know we can, and and that's by you know simply just taking care of the football and putting points on the board and and holding them to uh, to to no more than you know a certain amount of yards, you know less than less than. And uh, I think that's the biggest thing right now. I mean, it seems I'm looking at the record and what you guys did on the road and at home. Does having this playoff game in Rochester instead of LaSalle 
Is that going to bother you guys at all? Uh, I don't think so. I think I don't think so. I think we're you know we're we're going to treat it as a, just a normal uh, away game and get ready to go. We take uh, we're going to be taking some charter buses down for two hours and down to Rochester and just you know take it on as a, a normal uh, in this case Saturday Saturday evening game or Saturday late afternoon game I should say. <laughs> yeah, three p.m. That's kind of that's a weird time. Yeah, it is. It is, but uh, it's it's what they it's what they chose, and you know we're. Like I said, we're just ready to roll. We'll be ready to roll. <laughs> <laughs> After the game, are you going to celebrate with the team and buy like 2,000 pizzas? <laughs> uh, you know what? We'll, we'll wait. We'll wait to see that. But, you know, I, I don't uh, we'll wait to see what transpires on Saturday. You win that game, Jose. I'll chip in some money for that, buddy. <laughs> Sounds good. I appreciate it. <laughs> Well, I would like to thank you for joining us, Jose. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me. Jose, seriously, best of luck, buddy. I, I, I'm i really, really rooting for you guys, and I, I hope this works out. Man, that'd be awesome. All right. Take care, Tom. Nice to, uh, nice to meet, uh, talk to you. Thanks, Jose. Appreciate it, man. Definitely. Shout out to the uh, Cavaliers. Right.